All right, we're going to get right into it. Uh, the voice you hear, that is Travis Kelsey. The face you see, you might not recognize because it's shaven. And can I see the hair? Can I see the mane, too? Where do we stand right oh, we now? Got, we got everything Ooh. growing and flowing. You look, look like Cincinnati, flow. Travis Kelsey, right now. This is you, Cincinnati. This is this is me struggling to accept quarantine right now. <laughs> How you doing? How you doing? <clears throat> I'm, just, I'm just randomly just chopping the beard off, letting the hair grow, doing things that you know society probably, you know, doesn't want I, I people. I shaved to once a week. Oh. What what was your final straw where you were like, I'm taking it off? I got so bored that I just had to I had to do something different. Whether it was like I have to see a different face in the mirror or I have to I don't know get out of the house and just run wild. I don't know what I I gotta do something different, man. This, uh, this every you normally, day now. You normally during this time of the year, because this is the thing, my first reaction was going to go, but you're an NFL player, you love routine. But this is not the time of the year where you guys have a routine like that. Yeah, You no, just I did like a to, whole, like, eight months of that. Yeah, I, I like to cut the routine off at least until June. And then once June hits, I mean, I'm obviously I'm doing stuff to, to maintain and keep the body in shape and, and all that, but especially with this being a year where I didn't have an injury, like t- typically, oh. I don't want to say typically, but eight years in the league, since I moved to tight end, well, 10 years ago, I've had 10 surgeries. Yeah. I feel like your surgeries are often like fine tuning. Like, let me, let me clean out my ankle or something like that. I've been very, I've been very fortunate in that regard for sure. A lot of guys, uh, they got to get the surgeries ASAP. Uh, and they miss a lot of the season. They miss the end of the season. Right. Um, I've been pretty fortunate that the only, only injury that I've had that, that's that's taken me out of a, out of a football uniform has been my knee surgery my rookie year. And, but I also feel like what you're saying is you didn't have any this year. I didn't have any at all. So it's like I got a free free summer to really enjoy um, being healthy after a season after I win the Super Bowl, being healthy and getting out and and go visiting people. I mean the off season I. I take the time because everyone comes to Kansas City for games, and I just feel like uh, to to support everybody in their lives, I got to get out and come visit them. So it's just I haven't been able to even see my niece. She was born in. Uh, oh. Yeah. So she's. Congrats, Jason. Yeah. The the, go green. Only one we're talking about, Jason. Uh, but. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm. I mean, I'm missing. I'm missing seeing, being able to hang out with her and the and the family, and I don't know. It's a dude. I zoomed. I zoomed for Mother's Day yesterday. My grandma, her face is like two centimeters from the camera. I'm taking screenshots the whole time. It's the but best. you, uh, oh, who? Hold on a second. We can call. What's funny um, is that's all. That's all that I do on these Zoom calls. These because we're doing NFL uh, virtual yeah. meetings right now. So all I'm doing is just taking pictures of coaches' like face right in the screen. You can like pluck their nose hairs right on the camera. Just so. Nor- Hold on, I don't want to skip this. I still have not really talked to you fully at length. The fact that the champ is here, motherfucker. Oh, yeah, man. Like, I saw you model in Nike clothes over Jadakiss. The champ is here. And I thought, holy shit, he could do that for the rest of his life. Dude, you're That's a crazy. champ. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. It's um, It's still... It's, it's probably even more surreal now just because there's no sports. There hasn't been sports. So it's like 
everything just kind of got pushed to the side because of the pandemic and everything. I mean, there's a lot more serious things going on than, you know what I mean? <laughs> Winning a Super Bowl. Right, so it's but like, you guys should kind of be on your Super Bowl media tour around the world right now. Yeah, yeah. There were a lot of things that uh, I know personally I had uh, lined up that I wanted to go knock out, like the Masters, uh, the Derby. Um, another year right, Coachella, which the lineup looked nuts. But like, they would have showed you during the Derby and been like, and their Super Bowl winning tight end, Travis Kelsey. Who did he th bet on today? That's what yeah. I'm saying. They, 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 oh. they, we just don't, we don't get to experience. I was telling Kayla, there's like a, it's like a car wash. You just go through this, this, I won the Super Bowl. Um, I don't know, kind of journey over the, over the, over the off season. And we're not going to be able to get that. And I understand that. So I guess we just got to go out and try and get another one. I feel like Pat, listen to you say that right there and he's like exactly because we are going to go back and we are going to do it again right now <laughs> that dude that dude's an animal man he's an animal i feel like right he's now. watching right now, the last dance he's watching the last dance right now and he's taking notes and he's like i'm gonna punch travis in the face next practice <laughs> dang i'm steve kerr i guess i am the most unathletic on the, on the squad no so i was like, thinking yeah, i just got I, I got thrown into the steve kerr realm Huh? Nah, I don't know. I don't know. You can't, We're all Jordan I, I in our own head. We we got. I feel like we got a lot of talent. If anything, yeah, I don't know. I, I couldn't even tell you. I, I feel like it's a different makeup because you can't. I mean, Tyreek Hill. This offense doesn't go without him. It is. It, it just is what it is. I mean, his speed, his ability. This offense doesn't go without him. Yeah. But Andy is such old vibes. I'll I'll take Rodman. You're a good Rodman. I appreciate the. All the right, Rodman so Mahomes reference. goes Jordan, Tyreek goes Pippen, you go Rodman. Didn't because uh, Rodman just Robinson knew his lane. Goes Tony Kukoc. Who's that? Uh, Robinson. Demarcus, Demarcus Robinson. Yeah. I can see him being Tony. Michael Hardman in. is Ron Harper. <laughs> Ron, Ron Pete. Listen, Ron Harper was an OG. He was a he was a Cavs OG. I think he was drafted in Cleveland. I'm sorry, I'm a huge Cavs fan, guys. I know you are. Huge Cavs fan. Cavs are uh, seven. Oh, so then what was it like to see the shot over Elo and everyone, and then he's yelling at all the media guys, get the F out? What? I mean, do you hear do you hear that story from so many old school Cleveland basketball or Cleveland just old gentlemen that are talking around the barbershop? You hear that all the time. But to hear Jordan talk about, like, Elo didn't have a chance. Like, if, if anybody had a chance, it was Ron Harper. Yeah. You know, to hear him say that and to, like, in my mind, like, was Pat Riley our coach then? Who, no, no, no. Who was our coach? Shit, if I know. Golly, I forget who it was. I'll look at it up. You the time, at the time, they put Keith, uh, Elo on him, and it just it got all bad. Um, what is it like though? I saw some guys watching Jordan going, look, I'm the professional athlete, but not even, I think like that to see, you know, the last dance and to see kind of what he said last night, where a uh, Sunday night where he was going, you guys don't even know what it takes to win. And like, and him just crying and, and the determination, what was it like for you to see that? What it's like for me is that everything that he was doing outside of basketball meant was the reason why he was doing that when he got on the court. So in my mind, that is an exhausting mindset because I've been in the playoffs. 
And I've, I mean, they, they play seven games by the seventh game, by probably the third game, you know, exactly what they're running when they come down the floor. Like, you know, like, but at the same time, Jordan had so many different, he was so versatile that he could score so many different ways. Yeah. But to have that concentration for a seven game span, like just for me to have it for one game and to know that in my mind, they have an idea of what we're running. Like, to to try and play out all those scenarios, I can only imagine the the competitive like drive, the the concentration, how much you're thinking about that all day, every day. So like the golfing, the gambling, all of it makes sense. It's like pulling him away from what he focuses on, what he wakes up and immediately thinks about. So it's like, and first of all, let's let's not jump out of the jump out of the airplane and not talk about the fact that he was playing golf against Danny Ainge before the day, the day of the playoff game. Oh like, yeah. You're right. If somebody in the NFL or NBA oh. did that right now, the NBA, you might get away with it. It would have to be an old school player that like LeBron or somebody, right? Vince Carter, have, yeah, Chris Paul, not somebody, Chris Paul. Chris Paul will get destroyed. He but you're right. If would, it was like if it was like you and DeAndre Hopkins were golfing before the oh, Super Bowl, nah, they'd be like, "No ain't, way, ain't happening, ain't happening." We're getting we're getting abuse, and and obviously the Atlantic City gambling. Oh, let's go to the let's go to the casino. They said that like it was a one time deal. You don't just bring up let's go to the casino. And also, like you do this every that, time you go to New York, you try and get away and go to Atlantic City. I just want to let you know. That That's why they felt so comfortable doing it. It takes about three hours to get from New York to Atlantic City. So this whole notion of like he went down the street to Atlantic City, like it was six hours of driving just to get to and from Atlantic City. But you were saying before, I feel like when you get locked in, like I know when you guys were playing the Patriots, it was like you're not getting a text back till the game's over. Like that yeah, crazy – I can only imagine you just you, you confine everything. Everything is your thought. You, when you wake up, you get breakfast and the, the mindset of all right. Let me let me get the best breakfast I can get so I can be the best I can be for this a specific game for four quarters for this specific game. And it's like you're making a conscious effort every single day of the week just for this one game. And he and basketball players are doing this for seven games straight. You know what I mean? And I can only imagine, like, in my mind, that's just so exhausting. You have to be able to, to have a point in the day where you just put your feet up and you let it go. And Mike never has that. He still doesn't have that. That's why I think his eyes look like that. Because I think it's, like, bottled up inside where it's like, when does he release? Oh like, even his releases know, are because of competition. Uh, we talked about Marty Gilliard uh, from Cincinnati. Marshawn. What's up, Marshawn? Um, but – yeah, that mentality and all that. But, man, I was just – I went through the Super Bowl game log, and I just realized with 7-17 left, it's third and 15 on your own 35, and you're down 10 against the best defense in the NFL that year. Last year. Okay, statistically. <laughs> no, but, I mean – in, in that look, situation, they were the best in that situation in over, like, nine years, I think. You're right. Third and long, let that defensive line with four first-round picks yeah. pin their ears back. Yeah. But, but if, like, if I sent you a screenshot 
717 down 10 and 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 Pat goes back 10 steps and you send it back and you go, "Hey, by the way, the Chiefs win this by 10." Like think about that. Win like, this by that, 10? Yeah. It, yes. Yeah. That's that uh the the fact I I I keep like kind of brushing over the fact that we won by I think it was 11, like 10 or 11, but the fact that it can flick like football can change just like that. I always make the reference to the football, the ball, the football is such an awkward football. I think I got a ball over here. And this, this is thing kind of shows us what a ball looks this like. This thing, this <laughs> thing right here. Ooh, with the Super Bowl logo. This is just it's such an awkward ball that where however it lands, it can bounce any which way. Like this isn't just a regular sphere like all the all these other sports. So that ball yeah, that Bill changes Nine, the dynamic. Sure. That Tate, that what'd you say? I said Bill Nye, chill. Oh, I'm bringing, I'm bringing, I'm bringing all the scientific terminology out. Um, no, but that that dynamic changes the 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 how the game flows. I mean, a punt. If you let a punt drop, you don't know which way that thing's going. You know what I mean? How much did how much did the Texans come back and the Titans come back make the Super Bowl comeback a given? Um. I think it was built up over the year, to be honest, because all the games really had that same feeling of, all right, let's stop messing around, because we were. It was all self-inflicted. Lions game. It was yeah. Lions game helped out a lot. Um, games like Tennessee and Houston during the season helped out a lot. You know, knowing that man, we really just gave them a win. Like that team has no business beating us. We played them. We sized them up. We've gone out there. Did they get the win? Yeah, respect it. Respect your opponent, knowing that, you know, down the line you might see him again. And sure enough, we saw both of them. Um, the Titans game, man, I, I, we literally handed them that game at the end. Oh, um, that was the craziest finish And shout I've out seen. to Tannehill. Tannehill did his job. He marched down the field, put up a few points. Um, but it's just kick. like all, the, all, those, all those games, all, the, all 16 games built, put together – and then you, now you have certain characteristics of of teammates and of people in those situations. Like Papa Holmes doesn't change no matter what. He could be down 24, and he's still Papa Holmes. Like, hey, we're about to put up points right now. Get it together. Let's lock in. And it's so funny. I always I always kind of laugh. At, it's never Pat that has to get on track. You know what I mean? Pat's all the ball's always there. So it's either it's guys dropping it like myself, or it's you know what I mean? It's just guys running the wrong routes. The the O line, you know what I mean? May maybe getting pressure up the middle or something like that. Whatever it is, it's never Pat. So you just you kind of like look at Pat and Pat's like once you feel the the I don't know him giving you life of of, of encouragement and like yo let's do this right now. Um, it changes the mentality of all right we're down twenty four to all right, let's just hack away at it. Let's just do the right thing and, and see where we end up at the end of the game. I know you love history like I do in terms of like football and moments. And like, there's always that one story where Joe Montana during the Super Bowl looks up and goes, oh, John Candy, and then calls the play. <laughs> and I was curious, like, were there any moments in that fourth quarter where it was you or Pat or somebody said something in the huddle where you kind of got like, a, ooh, that was a moment. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say it in this, in this, in the, in the huddle or anything like that. I don't think there were any heroic speeches. Pat's given a few of those, uh, 
throughout his career, just in the first two, three years, him being in the league, he's had a few of those where he's had to rally the team. And it, it was like, man, that kind of felt like he said the, the, the exact thing that he needed to say. Like, it was perfect. Like, it was written. You know what I mean? And uh, you, you, I've definitely seen that out of him. Uh, oh, and one being the AFC Championship against the Patriots. Going into the, going into half, 14 nothing. Didn't even put up a field goal in the first half. Pat came in the locker room. I'm not going to lie. He was motherfucking everybody. Like, you just, everybody got the wrath, especially on the offensive side. The defense was doing their job, but especially on the offensive side. And sure enough, it lit a spark. It, what it does, you see, you see a guy that puts in that much effort, that much work, you know, and you just want to be there for him. You want to be there for your teammate, be accountable for your teammate. Um, and all in all, you're a competitor, and you're, this is the biggest game of, of just about everybody's lives that was on the team at that point. So it was, uh, it was, that was definitely one of them. Man, you know Walter Payton, even in his grave right now, is upset he didn't get a touchdown in the Super Bowl. And I know that not only were you guys down 10 with 7-17 left, I don't think you had a touchdown yet. Mm -hmm. And to get one, is it more of a relief? Was it pure joy? Oh, like I was I, – I had the mentality, and this is actually the the, the Super Bowl wall right here. I got to get it to my man. Aunt Judy. But the – um. The mentality that we were down. So it's like when I scored, I didn't even think of, oh, I just scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl. I, I caught the ball. I scored. And I was like, all right, let's get to the sideline, get this thing you going. You ran so it back. back. You ran it back like you were trying to come back in FIFA, where they like grab the ball and go. Yeah, exactly. It's like, why That's is he doing stuff. that? It's not going to speed it up. That's good stuff. Yeah. I was like, let's go. Come on, man. Keep this moment. What's funny is, is on Tyreek's that, that play, the 44 yard play to Tyreek Hill. I rewatched it and I watched everybody and nobody celebrated like yeah. you Robinson, you guys all just kind of stood up and it was like, and I, I was kind of wondering, like we were, we were in like an up-tempo mode. So, so what happened there at the end of the game is we, we went up-tempo. We started going quick count so that they couldn't sub their D line in and out. And what right. that did was it just made them, you know what I mean? It made them, I guess, think twice about just going, full go on every single snap and I, I, I think it slowed down the 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 pass rush and it made pat a little bit more comfortable back there in the pocket and and the when we go up tempo it's, it's a lot of very familiar plays um plays where i don't know there might not be as much going on in the route concept so they're quick yeah. hitters right and uh it just simplified the offense there towards the end uh, and then you throw in Wasp, which is the, one of the most creative plays that I think Coach Reed has ever put together. So it's like the two slants, you and Robinson, and him kind of faking it and then going up top, <laughs> and the safety's kind of sitting there being like, I got three options right now. Yeah. It's a uh, – I mean, yeah, like I said, but you need a lot of time, and that's why Pat dropped back 14 yards just to get it off. The thing that's interesting with you is – Jordan talked about this, I think it was like episode or five or six, I think it was six, where he said, I don't want to be a role model because it's really, it's unfair, I'm never going to win. And so with you, everybody loves your touchdown I'm celebrations. To I'm trying to win. They, but they, but like, they love, they love your personality, they love that you're more than a football player, all that. And then, like, you drop a pass against Houston early, or you drop a pass against Tennessee early. And they come out of the woodworks being like, maybe you should have stopped dancing. Maybe you should catch the ball. I'm it, curious. You go to the man. Super Bowl and you go six for six. How much of them were in your head where you're like, fuck those guys? Fuck them. 
it's 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 a nonstop uh, Mamba mentality. I've met Kobe one time, and I, I you know, RIP. I, I hate to keep bringing him up because it's still too soon for me. But his mentality is has meant so much for sports that the the when I met him, I was doing something for ES something with ESPN, and and Kobe was just launching the details and everything. And uh, sure enough, I I shake his hand. And I was I just thanked him for bringing his mindset to light so that you know people could understand that you've got to have that competitive switch. Um, and he looked at me, stared at me in my eyes and said, fuck them, fuck them all. And it still gives me goosebumps because that made me want to run through like a wall ASAP because that's the mentality. You have to have the mentality of you don't care about the guy across from you. You don't care about his well-being. You don't care about his family. You don't care about anything that's going because what you have to do is arguably disrespect him, especially in the game of football. It's a very masculine sport. So you have to be able to come off the ball and smack somebody in the mouth and not care about who they are or what they're doing because you got a job that you have to perform. And then if it comes to outside voices, it's fuck them because they're not, they, they weren't with me shooting in the gym. Exactly. I mean, you're, I mean, I, I get it. I, I'm, I'm more of a, I like to be loved. I like to be, you know what I mean? I like to be appreciated. Uh, so I've always had that in my in my heart to 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 reach out to somebody to try you know I mean maybe change their perspective on who I am um, or just keep doing things in a certain manner so that the the image that I portray is a positive image. But it, it you can't do anything. It, it's sports. There is a Raiders fan that's ten years old that will flip me the bird and tell me I fucking suck. Just because I wear, I play for the Chiefs. Just yeah, because yeah. I play for the Chiefs, he doesn't know anything about me, or like he doesn't know that. You know what I mean? But if me you stopped, if you stopped, if you stopped and looked at him and said, "How you doing, man?" He'd be like, "Oh, I love you, Travis." It would, it would probably, yeah, it would definitely change. You, you don't get that out of the grown men, though. The grown men, no, are, no, no, no. It, it is what it is with the grown men. Like the the, the guys and the the older the adults that are doing that, it is what it is, and there's no changing their mind. Absolutely no change in their mind. So it, it, I, I get what he's saying where you just, you can't win in, in the regard of being a role model because there's so many different opinions. I mean, it's politics. It's what it is. It's, yes. It is what it is. People are just raised I think a perfect, a perfect example of where the public, and when I say public, I just mean large groups of people because I think it's been proven over time that large groups of people do dumb things. It's just how group think, all that stuff. Yeah. In the beginning... George Kittle starts to blossom. You tweet out, I see you. He's like, oh shit, I respect your game. And everybody's like, isn't this amazing? What a connection between tight ends. Well, now that like Kittle is solidified and he has an all pro year and you have an all pro year. And suddenly it's like, who's better? You should hate him. And it's like (laughs) a year ago, you were celebrating these two for connecting. It's just, it's funny to watch over time. For with without a doubt, and I would say that has never been more true than the on the flip side, me coming into the league, Rob Gronkowski already being the best tight end in the National Football League. Mm. And I all I do is I wear number 87 and I have a good year in terms of stats, and all of a sudden I am the Rob Gronkowski protege. Say what your I'm, nickname your nickname was Baby Gronk. It fucking it, yeah, it sucked, but. <laughs> what, it was, what it was was it was it was the Pats fans for whatever reason just hating me for being a white tight end wearing 87 like if I would have had on 84 
none of this would have ever been talked about. But because I wore 87, all of a sudden the, the Pats Nation absolutely hated me. For, I mean, That's a real rivalry, Pats Chiefs. I'm just thinking how they treated Mahomes well, I think, I uh, think it's Brittany. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's it's definitely the Mahomes Brady, but now that Brady's not there, it's it's what it's really always been is Belichick Reed. Mm. That's what it's always been because Belichick and I mean, what was that Super Bowl? Ah, I don't even know what number. Forty Eagles, something. Patriots. Yeah, forty something maybe. Two thousand five. Yeah. So I mean, there's that one, and then all the big time games. You got an offensive minded coach, defensive minded coach, like two of arguably the greatest minds in football, very disciplined running ships. Like, so you're just, you're going into it knowing that both teams are very well prepared and that automatically raises the stakes. Cause you gotta I, be on your P's and Q's. It, I didn't realize last year that you had 97 catches. I'm a scrub. I had like 15 <laughs> drops. I'm some, such a scrub. I, I left like 10 touchdowns on the table. Is that the stage of the offseason we're at where you're yes. building? Okay. And now I'm okay. stuck in the house doing ladders on the stairs, just trying to get my feet work faster. Alan Robinson, who we're going to hear from uh, later this week, told me, I think he had 98. And he said he was actually happy because it gives him something to get angry about with himself this offseason. I should yeah. have had those other two. Are you like that with 100? Yeah. I mean, I'm, man. If you've ever been in a meeting room with me, I'll give my input, but I like I let everybody know when I screwed up and when I'm trash, because that's what I notice the most. I hate watching f like game film on myself. I just because it's just nonstop uh, critiquing what I'm doing. Even even when I get a like a 50 yard gain, it's like why wasn't that a touchdown? What am I doing? Why wasn't that a touchdown? You got you had one or two guys to beat. You know what I mean? You're I've done I've I've been in a situation or a scenario like that and come out successful what can i do to to make these two guys miss and 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 put up six right. points for my my team and it's just it, whether it's in blocking like man i get like the, in terms of footwork and leverage you can always critique yourself and always get better so it's just it's a certain mindset of just of like almost abusing yourself mentally so that you motivate yourself to keep getting better and better. So you're telling me even in the Texans game where you put up a stat line that we will might never see from a tight end again, 10 for 134 and three touchdowns, you're more thinking about the drop in the first quarter? The drop, uh, there were two pass interference calls. One was a definite pass interference. Another one was kind of an iffy one. But either way, if – I, you have to have the mentality in the playoffs. Do not let them hold you because the refs are going to let them hold you flat out. It is what it is. There's some, there's some games or some scenarios where they when might not always When did you learn that? Because that's like what the Patriots do every year. When did you learn that? Um, it, I, honestly, I learned it playing them every single year. Every single year, no matter what, it, whether it was a Monday night game or, or whatnot, Belichick's going to have his guys, you know, play that line of making the refs call that play. You know what I mean? Yeah. Call that foul or whatever, whoever it is, uh, call that penalty. So I don't know. You just, you have to have that mentality of don't let them hold you. So all the pass interferences that I had, I was like, dang, those were missed opportunities downfield for me to get the ball in the end zone that I didn't do. Whether it was, I didn't come out of my break strong enough and I let them hold me just a little bit and, and, uh, and get me off my, off my route 
or you know, I just I just didn't make a good enough play on the ball when it was in the air. You're, you're just it's just a nonstop trying to get better and and then find a motivation. What's and if you're going to take that from your performance to the team, the big thing I was worried about with you guys was, you know, every year in the NFL, people got to leave, people got to come in, and I looked at Sammy Denard and Chris Jones, and I was like. Man, they're going to lose some of these guys. And as of right now, you've lost none of those guys. And I like I never want to, you never want to like forecast and stuff, but I was like they they've been able, you guys have been able to keep your core together, but I know you're a team that appreciates that because you have a good mix of like vets that have been there and haven't gotten all the way and like people like you or Tyron Matthew or like Frank Clark or it's like that mindset, but the core is still there. And I'm excited for you guys because I thought it was gonna. I thought it was gonna get separated. You never know. Year to year, you have no idea. Like if you would have told me Justin Houston wasn't gonna be on this team last year, I would have told you, "What are we doing defensively?" Like he he was he was our in terms of the voice yeah. of our defense, the the just being the alpha male, like making sure everybody's rallied with the same with the right mentality. I would, in my mind, losing him and Eric Berry, I was like, man, I don't know what we're doing in the front office right now. And then out of nowhere, we picked up Frank Clark and, and the Honey Badger. Honey Badger. And <laughs> I'm sitting over here looking at it like this is – and we have a new defensive coordinator. So it's like this is a completely new feel. A lot of energy over there. A lot, And, and we, we picked up some, some very – I call them glue guys, like guys that, that you might not see getting all the praise, but, man, they make the biggest difference Dude. in the game. Uh, Damian Wilson. Oh, yeah. Linebacker. I mean, a guy like that that's flying all over the field, very athletic, is a three-down backer, a guy that could – you know what I mean? He can stay yeah. on the field with the, with the, with the athletes. Um, well, you guys, are and then built. a guy like Daniel Sorensen, who doesn't get all the love in the world, but on big games okay. finds a way to make huge plays. Was that your transition voice? That was my transition into talking about the white guy. <laughs> okay, you're going to be a good host. I can see that already. We are going to play. We have a new idea that Travis and I came up with. It's really called randoms, but we want to do white guys. Because I think that what I do with my friends all the time in sports is you just start saying random players' names. And I don't know how it starts, but you, you just one of you looks at the other and goes, Tony Kukoc. And you're like, oh, man, Tony Kukoc is the man. And then they're like, Bobby Sura. You got, you got to let them know where this all stemmed from. Okay. I'm saying we're going to play that in a second, but I want to talk about one more thing before we get oh, into it. Oh, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. One more thing is, is – the MVP odds for 2020 for the NFL are out. I'm curious because you're on them. Stop. Yeah. Okay. How many so, people are on them? That's the, that's the question. There's How a good people? amount. Yeah. I was about to say, <laughs> is there a thousand players on that list? So at plus 400, so at four to one is your teammate, Pat Mahomes. Okay. He's the I favorite. Thought you were, I thought you were about to throw me in. I was like, what? No. Lamar Jackson is at 600 plus 600. Six to one. Russell Wilson is at six to one. Tom Brady is at 20 to one. Tyree Kill is at 150 to one. And you are at 200 to one. And you are tied with Mike Evans, 
Chris Godwin, Joe Mixon, and um, I can't read my own handwriting. Mike. I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm not going to win the MVP, Nick. Do not bet on that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to tell you what to do with your money, but that is a shot in hell, my friend. What do you think, Pat? Four to one. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason Especially why it's four he to didn't one, right? get it last year. He missed a few games, which was unfortunate. But, I mean, Lamar Jackson. I mean, Lamar Jackson was unreal during the season last year. You know, the playoffs are a little bit different. You got to get a little bit more versatile. But what he did during the the season, nobody's ever done that. Of all the games the Ravens played last year, I really think you guys were the only ones they really had to play from behind. Patriots, they're up. Uh, Even the Saints game, they have a lead. They withstand Breeze at the end, all that stuff. But you guys, they're down. And those Hail Mary throws to Willie Sneed and like – they were getting like nine yards a run too. Like it was, that was a crazy game that not enough people talk about. That was nuts. Both our, both our last two games against the Ravens have been barn burners, man. Just points on the board, ridiculous plays by Mahomes and Lamar. Just, I mean, the fourth and nine, two years ago where Pat's rolling out, right. I'm, I'm sitting there like, there's no way this pass is coming down. This game is over with there's seconds on the clock and we're on our own 20 and he just hucked it down the field. You know what I mean? Prayer right in the bread basket. And then, and then Lamar Jackson doing his thing on the, on that, on that side of the field that that's a, them getting all these weapons is pretty scary. If, Lamar can start to throw the ball like a true pocket, like a true pocket passer. And that's what, that's what I think. I think in terms of offensively, everyone's always comparing him and Vic. And it, I think it's unfair Two completely different times. Vic wasn't running this triple option, you know, wing T you never know what Vic could have done in an offense like that, like specifically drawn up for him to run the ball. Like there was a QB sweep here and there, you know, but it wasn't anything as as drawn up as TJ, what Lamar's TJ doing. Duckett wasn't setting up a gap for him. Yeah, you know what I mean? He didn't have yeah. four tight ends on the field trying to block. He had wide receivers out there, and he was really slinging them. In Michael Vick's defense, he had a fucking cannon. But I also don't discredit Lamar for playing an offense that's built around him. And he is thriving in it. Yes. And he's thriving in it. But in the league, you got to be versatile. you got to be versatile. He's got to figure out how to be just a little bit more Accurate, whether whether it's the the coaches giving them more of a, a passing offense, you know, drawing up some things that are that are catered to his strengths, or or just him figuring out how to throw the ball downfield a little bit more. I've seen Listen, it happen. That was, Alex, that was, Smith, that was, Alex just, Smith was hated on his entire mm-hmm. career for not throwing the ball downfield. And his last year in Kansas City, threw for four thousand yards, had the most twenty plus yard uh, receptions in the NFL. Yep. Had arguably, I think he was like second or third in terms of touchdowns, but his big playability went through the roof, and he had the best year of his career. So I've seen, I've seen it happen. It can definitely happen. He's just gotta, he's gotta figure it out. Speaking of big plays, the lateral against Detroit. In your head, did you go Randy Moss, Randy Moss, Randy Moss? No, I didn't. I, I, I forgot all about the Randy. Randy Moss was legendary. Right? That, that was because it was like over the yeah, head, and yeah, and it was like before half or something like that, and they scored. Um, what I was, and I think that was planned out. Mine was more just instincts. Like 
I know in this route concept, we're, me and this dude guarding me are the only two over here. And then I just saw Shady just trailing slow. It was real, it was very slow motion. So I was able to think of all these things like the the percentages of me getting this off. And no, I'm, I wasn't. You were like the Zach Galifianakis. Me just numbers, numbers just going rain, man. Just numbers going crazy in my head right now. Percentages. And uh, no, if it was a tick late, that ball is getting swatted on the ground and I look like an idiot. But yeah, what did was, Andy was, say to you afterwards? He just gave me a look. He really didn't say anything. It was it was very much like the like the Willie Mays Hayes major league reference where he catches the ball in his hat and he comes to the sideline and he goes, "Nice catch. Don't ever do it again." <laughs> so, all right, I got you. I could I could see it you know in what? his eyes. Like, if you're gonna do something like that, it better work because if it doesn't. I'm going to trade you. No, I'm just kidding. He didn't. He didn't look now I'm upset. Now I wish that's what Andy Reid's voice sounded like all the time. <laughs> hey, was Matt, that you throw it to Travis Kelsey in the corner. You're walking home. You're like, Get out of here. All right. It's now time for everyone's new favorite game. Random <laughs> white guys. This started because after the final four, when Travis was in his relaxation off season mode, uh, Texas tech was in it. Thus, Patrick Mahomes was very excited. We go to some place, we get a drink, and what do you know? There's Charles Barkley, and then somehow we start talking about what was it? Charles looked at Travis and said, Man, I tell you, when the white guy on your team was good, there's nothing better, man. Not, we had a white guy one time, and he was really good, and we were like, Man, we're so good, our white guy's good. And we were dying. And then it, and we're naming white guys' names, and he's like, oh, he was a good defender. Oh, he was good. And then Travis very happily goes, Bobby Sura. Oh, man, Charles, just legendary Cleveland Cavs small or shooting guard. Gosh, legendary. And then Barkley looks at you and goes, man, I ain't wasting my time talking about Bobby Sura. <laughs> <laughs> he just he threw a dagger right into my heart. I have a Cavs Bobby Sura number three jersey hanging in the rafters of my house. Because that's how much I idolized him coming out of Florida State. And typical Clevelander. Like, typical do Clevelander is like, don't talk bad about anything from my city. We're <laughs> so neglected. <laughs> God. Okay. No one ever pays attention to it. Okay. Um, all right. There, there are no rules. I'll let you start off first. Give me a random white guy. The most random white guy. Brian Scalabrini. What was he doing in the league? What was he doing? He was very – if you watch his highlights, randomly he has highlights. None of them are bad. They're just random, like, cool passes or, like, he hits a J or he has, like, a, a, a pump fake drive in the lane. Nobody steps in the lane and he dunks it. It's like, how did this dude get in the league, let alone stay in the league for so long and never really – I never really saw him consistently on the floor. Like, I, I – I Number only one. seen highlights of it. Number one. But everybody knows him is, as the white mamba. It's, I just think it's so random. He's just like Jameis in that he's skinny fat. So we assume that he's not athletic because he kind of has that, that layer. Number two, I think he really, because he was on all those championship teams with the Celtics or he was around it and he was, it's a little bit like, um, you know, like, uh, I don't want to say Rick Fox because he, he wasn't even at that level. Yeah, he was playing. I feel like, it was like I a John like he, Sally <laughs> well, later in his career. 
when you're really good friend, when you're good soundbite with the media and you're around great people, he kept going. All right, I'm going to go, I'm going to go NFL and I'm going to go Joe Juravicious. Joe Juravicious, nice. Joe Juravicious to me. I think Cleveland guy. You, well, he was at the wrong. end, and I think he got like no. I think he's um, from Cleveland, like from like grew up in the city. He was the dude on those Tampa Bay Bucks teams. I remember he had this catch against the Eagles on a Monday night to open the season when Sylvester Stallone came down like Rocky, and he ends the game <laughs> popping it over our defender's shirt and like catching it. He had a play when he was on the Bucks, but he was always um, he was on the other side of Keyshawn. And it was him and yeah, Joe Juravicious. Yeah. But the last name, Jura, Juravicious. Juravicious, yeah, that sticks. That it sticks. sounds like it something just... Shannon Sharp would describe somebody as. <laughs> oh, that man's Juravicious. <laughs> Shout out to Shannon Sharp, man. I was just watching a documentary, and I didn't know uh, he, him and his brother had, had a very, very unique situation uh, growing up uh, in Glenville, Georgia, I believe is where it was. I can't imagine because they are both two stallions of humans. Oh, so yeah. I mean, it, it, it blindsides you. It blindsides you. You would never see it coming. The personalities well, that both of them that have. a man that disciplined and vocal, like, I can't imagine where. Yeah. All right. So, what would you watch it on? Uh, YouTube. Just just typed in right. Shannon Sharp. I'll check I was, it out. I was, I was, I was I trying to time. catch up on some Shannon Sharp highlights. And, uh, yeah, there's a there's a football, like, in a football life about him and, uh, him and his brother. What a brother. baller. What a it's baller. awesome. All right, where are you um, taking me? All right, who we got? We got – I'm going to go football, and I'm going to go with Peyton Hillis. One of the most random out of – like, out of the barn over here in the left. Like, where did this guy come around the corner from? So, he was a fullback, came in the league as a fullback, goes to Denver, and Denver has the worst, like, halfback situation. I think everybody got injured. And they're in their running back room. So they just put Peyton back there to kind of fill the void. And he and started he trucking dudes. He started trucking when? dudes. Goes to Cleveland, has a has a legendary year in Cleveland, and gets put on Madden. There you can't tell me one kid nowadays that is that has any idea who Peyton Hillis is. And he was on the cover of Madden. Like kids probably played that team and still had no idea who that dude was. Yeah, they're like, hey, EA, way to put a generic Cleveland Brown guy on there for the team. Were you ever on a team that was facing Peyton Hillis that week and heard defenders talking about it? Were they like, oh, how the hell is this guy doing this? No, I don't think I was in the league by then. Okay. Yeah, I think he I think his his NFL his NFL career was shorter than you would expect, too. Like for him to be on the on the cover of Madden. Yes. That always blew my mind. He had a miniature version of I'll go into mine. I would say maybe the most beloved random white guy in the NFL. I'm going to go Mike Allstott. Yeah. Very, very similar. Very similar though. Yeah. Mike Allstott is legendary, man. But I I think about this because I'm the thunder and lightning thing, man. We love to throw that around all the time, but I feel like Allstott and Warwick Dunn were one of the first two. And then I thought about Warwick Dunn. I was like, damn, he went with Duckett also. Duckett, so he's yeah. been that guy a lot. But Mike Allstott, to me, it was like Gruden embodied in an NFL player. And he loved <laughs> nothing more than on fourth and one to be like, 
he just wanted to grab Allstop by the face and be like, <sighs> you're going to put it through the yellow line. And then he would like bounce off people. Allstop was like, oh. He was like a dude dressed like in the NFL street video game in yes. real life. It was ridiculous how low he could run. And then obviously the, what made him the most random white dude ever is he was the only offensive skill player to wear a neck roll. Yeah. Like how can you play football with a neck roll on and you have to like make catches, like make moves. Like that thing is so restricting. It's I have ridiculous. never tried to wear a neck roll. Is it really that? Because I was oh, like, Travis, this could be your thing, throwing a neck roll. It's like putting on a neck collar. You're just your neck. Your it forces your back to be straight, and like your head can't go so far back. So like when you're looking for the ball, it's like you're. So you turn into that dude from Ninety Day Fiance. Have you seen that guy? No. no. What? Oh wait. wait oh, wait. he's he's this guy, and he turns like this. Oh, yeah, that's all right. Awesome. That's I mean, that's that's exactly what the neck roll does for you. All right, I'm going mainly football. So just I'm gonna I'm gonna let you know. You're going mainly football. But if you want to go NBA, you can. I mean, NBA is just it's it's like it's put on a freaking tee for you. There's just so many random white dudes in the NBA. I honestly how about think, this? I'm gonna name I'm gonna name a team, and okay. we'll see how long it takes for you to get to this guy. Actually, I'm gonna give you a hint. Okay, I believe. That this guy is the new Del Curry of the NFL. Of the NFL. The Del Curry of the NFL. In terms of this, was really, really good in the 90s, was involved with some really good teams, had a very good career, but the emergence of his son, it, it, we're, we're kind of forgetting about him a little bit, and his son is changing the game. He's a little bit smaller than people are used to, just like Steph. Dang. He's got a smile that you can sell McDonald's with. Who has a father that's played he in the He just NFL. signed a big oh, contract. Oh, McCaffrey. Yes. Ed McCaffrey is the Del Curry of the NFL. I respect that. I respect that. And that is a very random white dude on a Broncos team that was running the shit out of the ball. You're right. That Mike Shanahan offense, oh, him you and know Rod it. Smith. You know it. But I think about this with Christian McCaffrey, how there were people that were like, oh, he's, he's too small. Imagine if I told you that in a lab I made a Pro Bowl wide receiver and an Olympic track athlete, and then that kid went and ran for like five, 6,000 yards at Stanford and can catch, caught like 70 balls, and there were people that were like, I don't think it's going to work in the NFL. Yeah, no, like, not going to work. Get out of here. How did, who thought that? You know He's what's crazy small. is that the real creativity comes from the college game. Like, when I tell, I mean, I've seen so much, like, revolution in just these, these seven years that I've been in the league. Going from when I first came into this offense, this offense was like, the the biggest difference of our offense was that we had an up tempo, like we had a we had a we had a, we had coast. signals we had signals like we would in college we had signals we would give give guys just to keep the defense on the field we would give signals to the wide receivers to line up as soon as we you know what I mean caught the ball yeah. got down put the ball down let's let's line back up so that they don't have a chance to change their defense that was where it started well where it came from from that is. 
we like having all the wide receivers on the field. So having two back formations, the fullback slowly starting to leak out of the NFL, it turned into the spread offense. All right, let's put all these wide receivers. All right, well, how do we run the ball out of the spread offense? We give it a run-pass option. We have all our good wide receivers over here running route concepts, short route concepts. Huh? Did Nagy bring that? Believe it or not, it was – I think it was Childress. Yes, Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. Um, It was Childress. Well, he was Andy's OC in the Philadelphia. yeah, and he was he was yeah he was in he was in uh, Casey with us our first couple of years, but I think I had I think I had to do with that whole that whole room. It was Matt Nagy, Doug Peterson, uh, Childress, and that one of Coach Reed's uh, very good friends from I, I think it was Coach Reed's friend. I'm, I could be wrong here, but Nevada. Um, who was um? Golly, I'm drawing a blank. I'll look it up. I forget his name, but he he had a uh, uh, Chris Out. He's an old school, old school guy. He might not be there right now. Okay. By the way, the coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers when Craig Elo, uh was Lenny Wilkins. Lenny Wilkins. I knew it was yeah. a legendary all time winner, all time loser. All right, give me a rando. <sighs> um, who do I got? Who do I got? Who do I got? I got. God, I'm gonna have to go in my notes. Um, random white guys, random white guys. I always, I, I, I always thought, and Barkley actually mentioned him as arguably the greatest random white guy ever was Dan Marley, and I thought oh. Dan Marley was so. It was, it was, it wasn't as much random as he just stood out like a unicorn to all other white basketball players. He was, he was the tan, glowing, looks like you know what I mean, hair always perfect, looked like he never like. He looked like he managed a beach bar. That's what I'm saying. It was so random that he was very good at basketball and like he was. I've seen a lot of Dan Marleys in my life. I think is what you're saying. (laughs) Yeah, and but never on the court. Like there's only been one, and it was Dan. Yeah, no, he might sit by the court. Dan Marley also (laughs) with a vodka soda. Man, I mean Jordan is just. You can literally walk up to Jordan and be like, man. You played great last night. And he's like, I'm going to kill that guy. All right, I'm going to give you a name. Okay, the last white cornerback to play in the Super Bowl. Man, white DBs are a dime a dozen, man. A dime a dozen. Like if you see a white white safety, you're like, I'm burning them. You can't tell me that there is a single white corner in the NFL or has been in the past decade. So this guy's got to be in the 90s. Jason Seahorn. He was a cornerback? 2000. Yes. I don't know why I thought he was a safety. No, 31, and he was Jason Seahorn. OG. Very random white dude, though. Anybody, if you're a corner, if you're a white corner, you are the most random person ever. Tell the truth. And it doesn't make any sense. I don't know. I don't know why guys just don't naturally go to Larry Bird. Larry Bird had the story where he looked over at Magic. And they and some white guy was guarding him, and he said, "Stop disrespecting me and get this white guy off of me." <laughs> if you went out, oh no, that was Barkley. Barkley told us that. Barkley told us that. I do. I remember that. And man, when I tell you, and I told him the same thing about white safeties. And there's a few white safeties that I've learned Harrison to Smith. respect. I've learned to respect in terms of their game. But naturally, you're just in your mind. You're like, man, this dude can't. This dude can't guard me. Like. He, just does, he doesn't. He doesn't have it. 
He doesn't. He doesn't got it. And uh, so for whatever reason, your your mentality just goes to that. And uh, sure enough, a guy like Harrison Smith is a dog. Multiple, multiple All Pro, Pro Bowl yep. years. He's a dog. There's been white safeties come in and out of the league, but whenever I line up against a white safety, I automatically think I have the advantage. You just stick your hand up to Pat. I'm like, looking at Pat like like I got a linebacker <laughs> on me. Like, you see this? What I'm sure Sorensen gets that too. Say it again. I'm sure Sorensen gets that too. He get, he's got to get. I mean, I get it. I, I have that mentality in practice, but Danny's got me a million times in practice, and I'm like, all right, I got to check myself at the door when I'm going against Sorensen, you know? Cause, yeah. So I've learned to respect Dirty Dancing, man. But uh, all right, a lot like that. you, this guy, this guy actually played quarterback in college, had amazing weapons at running back behind him. SEC drafted 21st overall in the first round to play wide receiver at the next level with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And you say, what did he play in college? He was a quarterback. Oh, I know exactly. I know exactly who you're talking about. The Arkansas. I don't even know what they are. Razorbacks. Yes. Dude, Matt Matt Jones might have been my favorite quarterback ever growing up. Because he was in that era of of me being a kid and really getting into college football and he crazy legs, four man. o'clock game, him and like Darren McFadden and Felix Jones. And he was six, six and could run, could fly. Gets, oh. I thought, I thought he was going to be a goon in the NFL, but. And you know what else? Why I thought he was going to be big. Cause you know, what song was huge. Mike Jones, who Mike Jones, <laughs> yeah, and I used to be like Matt Jones. That was a big time hit. Damn, Matt Jones. Matt Jones was yeah, he was one of my favorite man. I think he it was the Jaguars, and then he had a stint somewhere else, and it just didn't pan out. Who was the punt returner on the Dolphins that returned one in overtime? I believe to beat the Ravens to save the Dolphins from a winless season. Do you remember that? Italian name. Italian name? Greg Camarillo. Greg yeah, Camarillo. no, you got me with that one. That is the random-ass white dude. All right, I got another one. Colorado, wide receiver, Olympic skier. Olympic that skier? Was getting sponsorships out the Wahoo, and he couldn't go back to college, so he went to the NFL draft, was drafted by the Eagles. Do you remember Jeremy oh Bloom? No, I have no idea. I remember the name, but I have no idea who Jeremy oh. Bloom is. God, that is so – so he this was a good. skier? He was like an Olympic skier that was like – but it was like doing ads for Nautica on snow with no shirt on with like an eight-pack and being like, watch the Olympics, Jeremy <laughs> Bloom. And it was like, I don't understand how those things are connected. But yeah. I, no, Jeremy Bloom, man, you're you you've got you got the the chart over there. You know, Running I think is a random random okay, white dude. See. You know, I think is a random white dude that I didn't really think was random until I started watching this Last Dance. Phil Jackson is an extremely interesting man. Oh. Grew up grew up in a very very uh, religious household and grabbed the the appreciation for the natives around him. And from there started to use that in his coaching 
Like, that is so random. When I saw the, the NBA players on the Bulls doing yoga with Phil Jackson mm. and Phil Jackson leading the yoga, that was the most random, like, part of life for me ever. His... I, you, you would never expect Phil Jackson to do anything athletic with the team. To see Phil, that was amazing. To see Phil align with Rodman pushed Phil into my dream cipher. If I was sitting around with some daddy cigars, everyone always says they want to they wanna hang out and smoke with Snoop or, or Willie Nelson. To me, Phil has to be in that group. I'm with because you. Phil has all of the stories. At the same time, he's going to look at you and go, you know, as the Wachata tribe used to say. <laughs> this dude. Bumblebee Tuna. Bumblebee Tuna. Shake cock. All right. All right. Um, you know. The, but the I just want to hang out with him. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I, I have to, like, there's so many questions that come across my mind when you, when, like, if I ever get the chance to meet Phil Jackson. I passed him on the street in New York one time, and I didn't say anything. Well, you can't. It's, it's rule no. in New York. It's rule. But, dude, you don't realize how big he is. Like, I, he used to walk down the street where the old Bleacher Report office was. So I've passed him, like, four or five times. And every time, I try and give the nod, and hopefully I get a nod back. But you look up at him, and you see the pain in which he's walking, and you totally understand, like, why he couldn't keep coaching all those years. Yeah. But he also just has that energy around him where you're like, there's friendly Olaf. It's like, like like an elf when buddy's leaving the bye buddy yes exactly very yeah, weird fills practice. up there um running back rutgers was the first running back white running back that i've seen jump over people in college this is before you i believe he then went to the Bengals. yeah i'm lost brian leonard I do remember Brian Leonard for the Bengals. I did not know he went to Rutgers, though. It makes sense. He, he I can was the see Rutgers it. legend, bro. He, lo- he looks like, like a Rutgers kind of guy. Petrino, 100%. <laughs> the most random white basketball player ever, just based off his of skill set. Okay. When you think of the 90s and, and – and I mean, Jay White Chocolate? ASAP, right off the bat. It just jumps off, right? You want to talk about a dude whose whose skill was just it was it was legendary in terms of the transition of the game of basketball. He like he helped bring that street style and that flashiness to the game. One of the docs I want, which is never possible, is because no one probably was recording video, but to see Randy Moss and Jason Williams in high school. Was it high school or college? It was high school. That to that me, like school. seeing those two guys at the lunch table. Like, I just want to see what that was like. What was that dynamic in that school? Like, what kind of, what kind of Who diversity? Who won most athletic? What Who kind won of, most yeah. likely to succeed? Who, yeah. Who all goes to that school and is like, like, what is everyone else doing from that school? Because you're just like, if they, if they can be, you know, that different and still be successful and, you know what I mean, act completely different in terms of, you know what I mean? Who they are, like that shit. That just, that just blows my mind, man. I would love to see stuff from that. Yeah. All right, I have a few more random ones. Um, wide receiver Rams, the during the greatest show on turf. 
Has a son that's in the league now. Also played for the Panthers. Lost. Ricky Prohl. Yeah, no clue. No what? clue. No clue. We're- I wasn't I, I grew I, I grew up a football fan, but some of these guys were just so random. Safety, Arizona State, first round pick by the Rams, Adam Lefko. Archuleta. <laughs> I can't believe you all know these. Archuleta? Names. Are you kidding me? You Get this jabroni out of here. A guy named Archuleta comes up and tries to guard me. I'm roasting him. Shout out to Archuleta, man. He's probably a great dude. He I does do. like some color commentary on Fox now. <laughs> it's fucked up. Uh, and then I guess I'll end. I'll end with to me the ultimate, which was the greatest white punt kick returner of all time, uh, Tim Dwight, Falcons and Chargers. And if you don't know that, that's insane. I'm just gonna go ahead and look up the highlights. You're you have the most. Unbelievable repertoire of random white guys that I've ever... I didn't even say Don Beebe. So, like, I want you to YouTube Tim Dwight. Okay. And then then just let me know what you think. This is Tim Dwight. This is good. I'm educating the youth and Travis. This is nice. Which I can do the youth. That is my my alarm class. My keeps going off. Sorry about that. You got to get going. I appreciate your time. Virtual meetings. I'm I'm doing some more virtual meetings for about a good two hours. You get to take up and close pictures with Andy Reid looking into the. All right. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this because you have like one or two minutes left. I'm just curious. How are you handling a world where the schedule comes out and you're working towards something, but every day feels like the same? How are you handling it so that everybody else can kind of yeah. figure I mean, themselves that's a... out too? Yeah, that's a great question. I am. Um, well, personally, I've been very fortunate to have people around. You know, that's one thing that changes the yeah. dynamic completely is seeing uh, familiar faces or seeing people or, or living with people. Um, so I've been able to, you know, ease my mind with that. But for the most part, it's just making do with what you got. And I, I, I've been very uh, blessed to, to just get a weight room and things to be able to do things around here that can keep me athletically in the right yes. state of mind. Um, but you got to find motivation somehow, some way. And I'm a very competitive guy. So I'm, I'm just trying to find ways to compete around the house, whether it's with myself or with uh, my beautiful girl, Kayla, or You're whoever. You're shooting in the trash be. can. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. We got the family in town. Let's, uh, let's play a little uh, beer ball. Speaking of competition, one last thing. It's coming up end of the month in May. It's the match two. It is going to be Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson. And I'm curious, you are a good golfer. I see you in Tahoe. Who do you think pulls it out? I am far from a good golfer. I feel you on that, though. I love Tahoe. Um, I mean, Tiger and Peyton? It's Tiger and Peyton, yeah. And Phil and Brady. Man, that's a, those are a lot of legends right there. I'm gonna go. Who's won? Who who's won the most recent on the tour? Who's won a tourney the most recent? Was Tiger the last? Uh, I think I, I think remember Tiger him winning was the last, last year. Phil Phil won the first match. Tiger's won most recently, and Peyton Manning has been retired, so he's probably golfed more than Brady. Never count Brady out though. Brady, Brady, I feel like Brady's doing the the MJ like getting up at five, hitting nine hole nine to eighteen real quick before he jumps into the into so the. So are facility. you going to go Brady and Phil? 
gosh. The name Mickelson, man, it just, I don't know what it is. I can't bet against it. You know, Tigers had the back issues. Peyton's got the neck issues. I'm going to take, I'm going to take what seems to be the healthier option right here. I'm going to go with Mickelson and Brady. I love it. Travis, you're the man. Uh, to all the homies out there, 33%, follow you online. I know it's, what is it on Twitter? What, the uh, 87 runner or kill it? Oh, it's T. Kels on Twitter and it's Kill It Travel on Instagram. And then, of course, 87 running is how you give back to the kids of Cleveland. You're the man, dude. I appreciate you. You're the best, Left. Let's, let's rock it again, man.